As we continue our series uh, through different spiritual disciplines, I invite you this morning to open your Bibles to Isaiah 58. Um, Isaiah is in the Old Testament, um, just to the right of Psalms. Psalms is kind of in the middle. Um, Then Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, and then you'll find Isaiah. If you go too far beyond that, you'll end up in Jeremiah, Lamentations, and Ezekiel. So Isaiah 58. We're going to be reading the whole chapter today, but not all the way through at once. There's a few breakpoints in the chapter, and on the large print Bibles in the pew, it might be a little hard to see, and in the normal print, it's, it's a very small break. But we're going to be reading a section of it and then stopping, and so you'll know that we're shifting from what we're reading uh, to the preaching part when I say, this is the word of the Lord, and I would invite you in that moment to respond, thanks be to God. You'll have to pay attention if you're following along in your Bible, because some of these breaks happen in the middle of a verse. And yet it's this dialogue between Isaiah, through Isaiah the prophet, as God inspired Isaiah to proclaim truth to God's people, and some of the people's response as God shares it towards Isaiah. And so as we hear these words, we'll go start and stop a little bit, but the, what we're talking about today is fasting. Fasting, the practice of giving something up. And you'll notice Isaiah 58 is labeled in most of our Bibles as true fasting, is the little subtitle above the chapter. And yet there's also no real instruction on, well, what kind of food, how long do I give things up for, any of that in this chapter. It's unique in that way. As we enter into this, though, I wanted to share a quote. This is from John Wesley, theologian associated with the Methodist tradition. Wesley said this, Some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason, and others have utterly disregarded it. Some have elevated it beyond scripture and reason, and others have disregarded it altogether. Interestingly enough, Wesley would not let people be ordained in the Methodist ministry unless they agreed to fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. So, where do we find this right balance? As we think about Lent starting in a few weeks, what does it mean to fast and to fast well? What's the intent? What's the purpose? And unfortunately, where we start in Isaiah 58 is with some of why not to fast. But before we read God's word together, before we enter into this time of pondering, what kind of fast does God desire for us? Let's pray. Father, may your word be our rule, your Holy Spirit our teacher, and the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, our primary concern. As we enter into your word, as we think about fasting, as we think about giving something up and taking something on, May you speak wisdom and truth into our minds, into our hearts, that our lives may be enriched and that we may enrich the lives of those around us. Correct our errors. Show us the way, the truth, and the life in you, Jesus. And may you do this for us this morning through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 58. Just a few verses to open us up. And and, and this is instruction of God, of telling Isaiah what to say. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. 
For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that has done what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? There's a complaint of the people who certainly are practicing fasting. They are entering into intentional times of giving something up for a season. They are fasting. But their complaint against God is, well, wait, it doesn't seem to be making a difference. We're doing the right things. We're fasting, but you don't seem to notice, God. It's not seeming to have the the desired and intended effect. God has a problem to pick with the type of fasting that's happening, though. The phrase that draws my attention every time this week in reading Isaiah 58 is this, they seem eager. They seem eager to know my ways. They seem eager for God to come near them. In this way, God is calling the bluff of the people. He's saying they seem eager. They seem ready to put on all the right appearances as if they're fasting, they're following all the right religious rituals, they're doing the right stuff. In this, outwardly, they seem eager. But if you're familiar with Isaiah as a book, as as the prophet Isaiah continues to unfold, I mean, we're already at chapter 58 here where we pick up. You might know that this whole seeming eager is a theme because Isaiah is interested through God's inspiration of what's in the heart. Not what we seem eager about on the outside, but what is on the inside. What's the internal transformation? And you might already suspect that whatever kind of fasting is being done, it's not about that internal transformation. It's about seeming eager, except they've already been called out as a rebellious people. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that has done what is right and has not forsaken the commands of God. They seem eager. And yet, they're not. And so then the people are going through all the right motions, they're checking all the right boxes, and they're like, hey, wait, I thought if I did this stuff, God would work things out for me. And it's not happening. What's the problem? What's the conflict? And I should say this as we talk about fasting, that, that there is an assumption that God's people fast. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, in talking about fasting, says, when you fast, not, not if, like maybe if you kind of want to sort of maybe want to fast, but when you fast, Jesus has an assumption that fasting is just part of how we practice our faithfulness. It's part of how we practice trusting God. It's part of how we practice self-control and self-discipline by holding ourselves back from something. But if we read everything about fasting in the whole Bible, we get this understanding that fasting isn't about just giving something up for the sake of giving something up so that we might seem eager, but fasting is about giving something up to make space to take something on. Fasting is about making space for the right things. And so if we fast just for the sake of fasting to check the boxes, there won't be a lot of fruit in it. But well, let's continue on with Isaiah 58. 
And picking up at the second half of verse 3, this continues the conversation between God and God's people. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God's calling people out for saying, you're fasting, but you're still treating people poorly. You're fasting, but you're just pretending for a day. You're fasting in peace, but then wicked fists are striking one another. You're fasting, but it's not changing anything about you. And this is spoken to Israel. It's not changing anything about your community, about your worshiping body. You just do as you please. God is not impressed by that kind of fasting. The check the box to say that I did it kind of fasting. The ritual fasting to maybe be pleased with ourselves on what we took on. And where fasting does take discipline, what we're after here is a disciplined grace, a practice that would apply ourselves to knowing God better and that the love that God has for us may then be shared with our neighbor. And God, through the prophet Isaiah, is calling out the people and saying, this isn't happening. This is just a day that you're pretending to be good, bowing one's head like a reed, lying in sackcloth and ashes, putting on a display. And there are times in the Bible where sackcloth and ashes happened as a public display of humility, of repentance. But here in Isaiah, we're talking about putting on a good show, but having nothing really changing. Only a day, but you continue to just do as you please. God is not impressed by this kind of fasting. And so as we think about maybe if there's some fasting practices that we would take on, let's avoid the kind that's superficial. Let's avoid the pretend fasting. And let's get to the real stuff, the stuff that God has in mind. Join me by picking up again at Isaiah 58, verse 6. Is, this not, it, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide your poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the kind of fast that I want. I want you. And you notice this doesn't have anything to do with food, caffeine, chocolate, alcohol, or social media. 
This is the type of fast I want you. I want you to notice the oppressed. I want you to notice those who are in distress. I want you to see those who need help and to help them, to see the naked and clothe them, to take in the wanderer and show them hospitality, to give food to the hungry, to do these things. This is the type of fast that I want, declares the Lord. I want you to have seeing eyes and big hearts to notice who needs your help to not fast and say we're doing a good job giving something up and let the needs of the needy continue without any change, without any direction, without any intervention. That's not the type of fast that God is interested in. This is the type of fast that I want for you, to notice the needs and attend to the needs of those around you. And if our ears are pricked up by what this sounds like in the gospel, this sounds a lot like when Jesus is also speaking because truth echoes between Isaiah the prophet and really coming from Jesus himself in the New Testament. And Jesus says, they'll say, Lord, Lord, when did we see you hungry and not feed you? When did we see you naked and not clothe you? And if you know the story, Jesus says, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And whatever you didn't do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Jesus is picking up on the same language in Isaiah that the people of his day would know. He's saying this is the type of religion, this is the type of religious practice that I want you to have, the kind that changes you and that makes you aware of the needs around you that you attend to them, to the hungry, to the naked, to the poor, the oppressed, the distressed. This is what I'm wanting for you, to set the oppressed free, to feed the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, and when you see the naked, to clothe them. Don't turn away from your own flesh and blood. Don't turn away from people who need you. And this is the turning point in the chapter, where it's not to say that fasting is a huge waste of time, but rather the type of fasting that would change us. Then we get to verse 9. With all of this in mind, then you will call and the Lord will answer, you will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. Earlier, where the chapter started, the way that the complaints of the people are noted in verse 3, they're like, why have we fasted and you haven't seen it? And now God is saying, if you do this, you will call and I will answer. Here am I is the most comforting phrase in the whole chapter that we will call to God and he will say, here am I. And this is what we notice. This is what we're aware of if our fasting is true and the motivation behind it is pure. Then we're more in touch with God. We're more in touch with God and his love for us and the ways in which we are called to love our neighbor as ourself. That's the type of fasting that God is looking for, hoping for, longing for. And in some ways, we might just want to question as we think about fasting as a generally good idea, as a practice, that maybe the what, maybe the what is not as important as the why. That if we're going to consider taking on some sort of spiritual practice, some disciplined grace, it might not be about what we give up, but the motivation behind it. Why are you doing this? What's the intent? What do you hope to gain from it? Because if it is to greater understand the God's love for us, to love God more deeply, to know God's love for my neighbor and to love my neighbor as myself, that's the right starting why 
for whatever the what of your fast might be. Said differently, you could give up chocolate, caffeine, alcohol, social media, and sweets, and you could give it up for all of Lent perfectly. But if you have not grown in your love of God and neighbor, then we've missed the point entirely. Then maybe we've practiced some sort of self-discipline, but we haven't grown in the ways that true fasting calls us to grow, to know that we ought to be hearing that voice of God saying, here am I. That's the result of true fasting. Continuing on at the second half of verse 9. If you do away with the yoke of oppression and with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets and dwellings, with, with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day holy and honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way, and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is joy. There is joy found in practiced fasting, that when the why starts with love of God and love of neighbor, that fasting is giving something else up to make space for something important. Then there's light shining in the darkness like the dawn. Then there is joy. There is a sense of God's presence. There is a nearness to God that is experienced. And where it starts? Where it starts is with God and disciplining ourselves unto grace. And the path that fasting might lead us on is to practice giving something up, but not just to pat ourselves on the back, not to put it on display and to be really proud of ourselves. Then we're just back to the seeming eager, but rather that we want to set aside time. And so what kind of fasts do we find? We do find in Scripture the 40 days of no food. Jesus fasted for 40 days, and we're told, and he was hungry, and we would be too. In that case, uh, you don't give up water for 40 days. You would die. You give up food for 40 days, and you can drink only water. And in those types of fasts throughout the Bible, when people seem to go off for a long period of time and fast, it's almost always accompanied by prayer, prayer and fasting. It's to say, I need to know my physical dependencies on God, and I want to turn that into a reminder of my spiritual dependency on God as well. Prayer and fasting go together in those ways. Still, if we go to other places in Scripture where there's shorter times of fasting, it's in Daniel chapter 10 that Daniel sets off on a special type of fast, 
And he says, I'm not going to let any choice food, nothing, no sweets or delicacies, no meat, and no wine will pass my lips. And so in this case, we could say the um, meat, treats, sweets, and drinks, that's the Daniel fast in Daniel chapter 10, where he's setting aside time and space, where there's a focused and intentional time, but it's not just to prove a point to himself or to those around him but it's to focus on God. And so if you've heard of people before, oh, they give up chocolate for Lent. In some ways, that's kind of the Daniel fast of giving up your sweets, except he also gave up meat and wine. So what is it that we want to give up? Well, I always say the best place to start with what is to start with the thing that you don't think you can give up. Start with the thing you don't think you can give up, that you need it, that you're dependent on it. Because if we start with what we think we're more dependent on than anything else, we'll find the things that might be competing for God's space in our life, where we would say, it's actually God is what I am dependent on. It's who I need more than anyone else. And so if there's things that we just can't give up, they might be competing for a corner in our heart where God belongs. That might be the what, but to keep focused on the why to make sure that this is about making space for God in our lives. And so maybe it's taking something once a week, giving up something small. It's not about punishing ourselves or making ourselves miserable. That's just to seem eager. But it's an internal fast. Say, God, I need you more than this, that, or the other thing. Maybe it's giving up screen time and replacing it with prayer time. Maybe it's giving up some type of food, but also being mindful to give, whether to hand-to-hand -to -hand or harvest stand or to go to the mobile food pantry. It's attending to the needs of others by first reminding ourselves of our need for God. And that's what the people in Isaiah's time had forgotten. And God is eager to remind them and re-invite them back in. And it will stay between you and God. Don't punish yourselves. Don't make yourselves miserable, but create some space. And whether that's through a proclaimed fast of I'm going to give this up or throughout Lent I'm going to do this differently, great. But make it count in the right ways and for the right reasons. If you're giving something up that takes time, what will that time be filled with? And we don't just fast and, as Isaiah says, and then do as we please. We fast and turn our attention elsewhere. But don't lose sight of the why through all of this. Earlier this week, I got to celebrate a birthday, um, which was great, and I'm pleased to tell you that I'm now solidly in my mid-30s, very solidly there. I've noticed one thing that has faded over time, uh, which is when I officiate funerals, fewer people ask me if I'm old enough to be a pastor. So we're, we're gaining some age over time, I'm pleased. Thank you, Bob, for being the first person that found that funny. So. But one of the ways I got to celebrate my birthday um, was Jennifer Packard, who's not here today. Um, Jennifer and Terry, I think, are at the marriage retreat, too. Um, Jennifer made some amazing brownies, and they were spectacular, par excellence. And we've got some food allergies on staff, so they were a brownie that everybody could partake in. So I got back from some home communion visits and everybody got to have a brownie. But of course, there's extra. It's the classic, you know, end of anything where it's like, okay, who can we send this home with? So I took some home. I also dropped some off to a friend. 
and uh, we, we didn't see each other. I just dropped them off and was on my way. And I got a text and said, hey, I noticed you dropped me off more than one. Do I need to share? And my response, I think as I was thinking about fasting and I'm reading Isaiah 58 and kind of in this like certain zone, I was like, that's between you and God. So I'm joking and serious at the same time. What I mean is, is I'm not going to play tattletale on anybody if you ate all the brownies that I gave you. Granted, there was two, so all, let's, let's not get too carried away here. But that's between you and God. Do you want to share or do you just want to be like two brownies? What a great day for me, right? That's between us and God. Friends, there is a time where we might just practice fasting to say, I need the discipline of giving something up to say, you know what? I'm not going to eat the second one. I'm going to give that one to someone else. To give something up, to share with generosity with someone else. The brownie parable can act that way. Also, there's no shame in just maybe eating both of them. But I think if we were to pick up that brownie incident with Isaiah 58, Isaiah would push on this. If you give the brownie to someone else, but you're just grumbling about it and you're not happy about it and you wish you would have just eaten it, and why did I even give this up in the first place? Then you might have just as well have eaten it yourself. That's the type of fasting that God is looking for, is giving up to take on to not take something on so that we can give it to someone else. And so as you think about fasting, do not shame yourself. Do not punish yourself unnecessarily. But keep in mind, is this something that I can do in a way that I will discipline myself towards God's grace? That I can lead myself to be generous and sharing with the needs of those around me? That I can tune into that? That is the intent of our fasting. And I, truth be told, don't know what happened to the other brownie. And I really don't care. Because I meant when I said that's between you and God. Friends, our fasting is between us and God. Not competing with our neighbors, not showing off, not seeming or appearing eager. Your fasting is between you and God. So if you so choose to give something up, make sure it's for the right reasons. We recognize that fasting to talk about on the day that we're celebrating communion might strike us as somewhat ironic. We're going to talk about fasting and then we're going to have the remembrance of a meal. And yet it's very fitting because if fasting is about giving up to take on, sometimes fasting is about simplification. We need to simplify our lives to make room for the right things. And the bread and the cup are very simple things. They're, even by the standards of, of Jesus' day, it's a simple, straightforward meal. No extras, no frills. It's not the extra treat. But it is the reminder that Jesus gave us that in remembrance, communion, and hope, we come to God's table. That this is a reminder not of just a meal that we can take, but that the remembrance is based on that Christ gave himself up for us, that Christ died for us, that we might live. And so, friends, as we come to this Holy Supper, we do so in remembrance, communion, and hope.